Warning, the content you are about to listen to is not, I repeat, not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. This podcast can contain crude humor, adult situations, strong language, and drug references. Sorry, Mom. Listener discretion. I repeat, listener discretion is advised. And also, any music that is played at at any point in time during the history of the bakery, I do not own. Point blank and period. Hope you all enjoy, and go fuck yourselves!
Alright, ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Aaron Baker, back with another edition. This will be episode 12 of The Bakery. And I'm not going to give you any bullshit. I'm not going to tell you how things are going and all that stuff. I'm going to get right to the chase. Now, last week, last episode, I gave you guys a hint, and I played the song... Uh, Hair of the Dog by Wildside to see if any of you guys could figure out who the guest is going to be for this episode. And, well, without further ado, here is the guest. It is Mr. Drew Rose, the lead singer of Wildside. How are you doing tonight, Drew? I'm doing good, Aaron. Thanks for having me on your show. Hey, not a problem. It Honestly, it's absolutely an honor. We've been... We, I'll give a little backstory. We were trying to get this interview done back in late October, early November, and I got in the hospital with, uh, you know, really bad depression. I kind of hit like rock bottom, and I had to go to the hospital for, you know, for some help to figure out how to cope with all this stuff. So we weren't able to get it done then, and, you know, the holidays happened, and here we are you know a couple months later and like i said i'd like to personally thank you for giving me this opportunity to interview you uh well you're, you're welcome i uh um you know an open book if anyone's ever heard some of my past interviews you know i've done a few of them over the last i don't know how many years but uh pretty much of an open book i don't try to hide anything and it's you know, if there's a question that's weird, then I'll just tell you. But for the most part, you know, whatever you want to hear, um, as far whatever questions you have for me, I'm sure I will give you the straight answer. All right. And I'll also, I might as well just give a shout out to uh, one of my other friends. He works on um, this YouTube channel called Decibel Geek TV. I don't know if you've heard of the Decibel Geek podcast or not. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, I know all those guys. Sure. Yeah, they're they're really good guys. Um, Rock and Ron Runyon. He. I might as well just tell you now, so we'll we'll just get it out there. Um, my friend, he was he liked the uh, Wildside news page that I told you about. Uh, um, I think a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me, you know, Benny's telling him like all these stories and stuff, and I was like, Yeah, dude, let's let's have Benny on here, and shit got really sideways with that. And it got to the point where I was kind of pissed off about it. Like, um, Benny wanting to answer messages. Like, I, I I invited him the same way that I invited you. I was like, hey, I like the band. I love the album. I want to hear more about it. Because I, I love learning about stuff. Like, my favorite band is Kiss. And there's just a plethora of stuff to learn about them. But I told, Rock, I told Ron about... You know, the problems that I was having with Benny was like, oh, no, nah, dude, you don't want to talk to Benny. He's he's kind of in trouble and all that stuff. Uh, why don't you talk to Drew and see if he can give you an interview? And because uh, he, he told me that you were more open to interviews than uh, Benny was. So if you want to get into that now, we can um, or we can get to it later. That is all up to you. Well, you know. I know that you've had, you shared with me uh, some of your your frustrations with things that Benny said, and mm -hmm. or that you had asked him, and that he 
what I don't know what he tried to do set the record straight or something I don't know but the thing is um, I I I'd prefer to talk about a, a few other more entertaining things than than Benny because it's kind of boring you know I yeah I can get we can certainly get to that um, with with limited you know as far as like you know mudslinging I, I just don't get into the mudslinging game anymore with him because it doesn't pay uh, we we can I can give you the whole backstory on Benny and myself and and as I said I can be very very honest with you about it I, I don't you know I'm not gonna talk about him in a, in a poor way but um, I'd much rather you know answer some of your more related specifically related questions about the band the music um, how we got there and things like that. If that's if that's the kind of stuff you want to talk about as well, that that's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, that's perfectly fine with me. So we might as well just get into it. You know how did how did Wildside come to be? Who were the founding me- and who were like the founding members? So um, uh, the band um, sort of formed out of uh, organically out of. Uh, I was playing music with Benny and in other bands around uh, Los Angeles and uh, Hollywood, you know, and was really having a tough time breaking through. Um, the songs weren't there. I knew it. The musicianship wasn't there. These are all guys that um, Benny and I put together in Seattle, and we came down to uh, Hollywood to try and, you know, uh, this is before the whole Seattle movement and all that stuff. And we tried, right. tried you know, to, to do what everybody else was doing. It. Play the the Hollywood scene and, and, and create a, a name for ourselves that ultimately would spark interest from anybody in the record business. And we didn't know anybody. You know, we, we were sort of just out of nowhere. And I realized the music wasn't there. And as I said, the, 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 the players weren't quite right and all of that. And, Benny was the only guitar player in the band and, you know, he hadn't been playing guitar that long, you know, he, he'd been playing for a while, but, you know, not that long, and um, up in Seattle, I was playing rhythm guitar in the band, decided to just jump into singing without playing any guitar, focus on my voice, and, um, and when we got down to L.A., that's kind of what happened, <laughs> excuse me, that's kind of what happened, and again, you know, Benny was a new guitar player, and it just wasn't happening. He just didn't have it, you know. As he couldn't hold the band, um, and he knew it as a as a lead guitar player, you know, as a, as a songwriter or as a lead guitar player. And we were at a a shared rehearsal studio where all these bands were coming in and out of. And I saw Brent, and he was playing in I think if not one, two different bands at the time. And uh, we became friends and. I started to, you know, take notice of Brent's ability, and I went to shows where he was playing, like at the Whiskey and different bands he was in, and I was really impressed with his his playing. And I asked him if he wouldn't mind writing songs with me, just, you know, very informally, not like in a band yet. And so we started writing together. And the place that we were rehearsing also had a recording studio, so we started to record some music. I invited into that group and that's kind of how the thing started it's it sort of started you know it was it was, it was Brent and myself with 
the songs and then you know we definitely needed a, a, a counter rhythm you know something that held the bottom end and that's where Benny slipped in there and did a fine job of doing that for live performances and um, so that's kind of how the band started originally it was called Young Guns and uh, we went through a slew of different drummers a lot of heroin addicts and mm. alcoholics and just uh, uh, it was nuts and uh, we found Mark. Mark was in another very, very popular band in Hollywood at that time. And, you know, he he fit in perfectly with our with our our personalities, and uh, and just left Brent and I alone to write music. You know, there wasn't any egos at the time. You know, and after going through all these different drummers, we came you know came across Jimmy. Jimmy just. Jimmy just put the icing on the cake, and all of a sudden we sounded like a professional rock band, and um, and that's kind of how the, you know the band took shape. And so I guess the answer to your question is it really started with Brent and myself. Although Benny was somewhere in the background, um, I probably would not have uh, started a band again with Benny alone had I not had Brent there to to be the the uh, you know the number one guitar player songwriter we just knew when we wrote together that this was going to be a, a really good time writing a good experience and we were going to be able to pull some really great material out of each other and we did you know yeah you could definitely tell like the songwriting and how the how the um, production came out that you guys sounded very professional and especially for like the time like the album was released in 1992 and that was literally just on the verge of the grunge movement so you guys were right there and i could definitely tell you know you guys i don't know if anybody else has said it or anything but you guys kind of had like a slaughter feel to you guys especially with your voice i've heard that all right um, so here, here's a fun question, and this is one that I came up with on my own. Um, you know, who came up with the band name Wildside, and was there any like backlash from Motley Crue's like management for naming the band Wildside? Was there any like talks about you know, hey, you guys can't really call it Wildside. We have a song called Wildside. Was there anything like that? Nothing like that as a matter of fact we went out uh, we went on a tour with a band called uh, uh, Roxy Blue and Roxy Blue was being managed by the same management company for uh, for uh, you know Motley at the time and so yeah there was not there was no there was no blowback at all from that and I don't even know where the, the name came from. We were having a really tough time. We, again, we were originally called Young Guns. We were told we couldn't use it because it was a movie company trying to stop us from using it. And that had been our, our street name, you know, our band name for a long time. And we built our following on it. So it was really devastating to find out in the middle of recording our first album that we weren't able to use that anymore or if we were going to use it we were going to have to go to court over it and the label did not want to support a lawsuit so they you know they told us to find another name so you know finding another name was uh, it was it was 
at some point, I don't even think anybody cared. Somebody might have yelled out, let's just call it wild side. And, and, and two guys said, yeah, that sounds good. And, and, and we just went with it. And I don't even know that ever in the history of the band that we cared about the name as much as we cared about the music. So, so it was sort of whatever, you know, and, and now that I look back at it, of course, you know, probably a mistake because the name's just super important. And we got a little bit of shit over the years that, you know, using a, a it, it just seemed a little bit, um, I don't know, unoriginal is what people were saying. And, and I would say, yeah, they're probably right. So, but it is in the books now and no big deal. Right. So here, here's more of like a question for you and not really about the band, but um, do you have like any like influences on your voice? Like when you sing, like for me, like my my influences growing up were uh, Tom Petty and John Morrison. So is there anybody that like influenced you, like how your voice is? You know, um, I loved early uh, and you probably can hear it in some of the inflection and some of my um, phrasing but I love early uh, rap um, Stephen Piercy um, not the best singer in the world but <laughs> on, it, on his production they Bo Hill who produced most of those records made him sound amazing but also, you know, let's get into some real singers, which was Ronnie James Dio, and that was a huge wow. influence of mine. Um, Jeff Tate, just a, an incredible singer, and I grew up in Seattle um, listening to him play the clubs as well until they finally became a national uh, act, you know. So those are some of the guys. Um, at When I was real young, um, you know, Ozzy, huge 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 fan and influence um, but for me it wasn't as much a, a vocal influence as it was a music influence I just loved some of these bands and their music uh, whether the singer sounded like anything I was gonna sound like or not you know right I definitely I definitely get it and and I'll piggyback off of something that you said uh, you said one of your influences is Jeff Tate. I'll say one thing. I know that, you know, the guys from the 80s that, you know, that do the wailing and all that stuff. Like, some of the, like all the guys that I've listened to, like a Ronnie James Dio or um, I'll, I'll put Bruce Dickinson in there as well. Yeah. And Jeff Tate. Like, I know that they're getting up there in age. And I've watched some of Jeff Tate's stuff that he's been doing now. The guy can still sing. And it. Oh, yeah. And he he's become like such a idol to me because I'm like you know I can I can sing some of his notes but just some of them I'm not even gonna attempt like his uh, the opening of Queen of the Reich I can't I can't do it and I and I'll yeah. give all the props in the world to him too um, so my next question is who dis who discovered Wild Side like who pitched it to the uh, record label. Well, we were um, we were playing and we were building an audience, and we were selling out those clubs, you know, in in Hollywood on the Sunset Strip. There, the Whiskey, the Roxy, uh, some of the other clubs that are not even there anymore. And um, 
we were approached by a management company, a couple guys who were managing bands and came to us and said, you know, we, we think you guys are great. We want to have a meeting. And we went and met with these guys. And they um, decided that we had <clears throat> we had a lot of songs, but we didn't have the right songs quite yet for a, for a, a pitch, you know, to go to a major label. And they said, we're willing to work with you, so, so why don't you guys... You know, if you want, if you want to sign on with us, we'll get you. You know, they told Brent and I because we were the we were the major songwriters in the band, um, and they said, you know, Brent and I were roommates, and he said, you know, you guys stop working, don't go to work, we'll pay your bills. All you need to do is write songs, and we want you to write um, two, three songs a week, record them. We had a home recording studio. To record them, bring them to the office, and each week we'll evaluate whether you got the right songs, if you're on the right track, or you need to keep going. And after a while, you know, we started to really get into it, and um, I think that's about the time when we wrote Just Another Night, and we wrote um, Hair of the Dog, we wrote um, Hang on Lucy. We didn't have any of those songs yet, and they said now we're now we're starting to get into the to the right area. So we went and had them recorded professionally, and um, and then they took them out and got several record companies interested, and we started to play for them at these private shows, and we started getting offers, and that's pretty much the that's the story, yeah. Heck yeah, um, let me see. You know how how were you guys treated by? The record company. This is more like a question for me because I don't think I've heard like any story of like a record company signing a band and kind of treating them like complete shit. Like how did how did your guys's record label treat you guys while you were recording under the influence? Well, you know, the record the way that this deal worked was we were asked to come on board, sign with Capital was a lot of excitement we got the, the red carpet treatment you know very very excited everybody at the label was excited to have us we were this was in eight late 88 no wait uh sorry late 89 by the time we finally agreed to do and sign the deal and everybody you know because there's lawyers involved and all kinds of other people i think it was 90 when we finally like signed the record deal it might have been early 1990 so you know at this point we were very unaware of things that were changing in music from from the grunge thing that was creeping in from somewhere because uh, we were just sort of in our own little world you know making sure that we were going to deliver the kind of record that we were supposed to deliver and searching for a producer you know they were they were very uh open with letting us find the producer we wanted they made a few suggestions and you know so there was a ton of support and everybody was very happy and then as um we finished the record um there was a lot of road you know roadblocks and weird shit that went down in the middle of it all that delayed the release of the record that record should have been released a year earlier because it was literally finished um and on the shelf for almost a year but the timing and whatever the, the help they were trying to figure out delayed the release of that record, which 
really frustrated us. And so we just went out and toured. We went on the road with a band called the Four Horsemen without even having a record out and, you know, learned how to tour and learned how to play in front of other audiences instead of just Hollywood and uh, got to know those guys and had a great time. By the time we got back, then our record finally came out. We organized another tour and went back out on the road again. But, you know, we waited a really long time, too long. And I always felt that if that delay had not happened, it would have been a, a very different situation. Yeah, that, that definitely could put a... That definitely could kill a morale of a band if you if you know that your stuff is, you know done it's been mixed and it's ready for you know public consumption and you know the record company is just holding on to it for whatever reason it it could be a morale killer but um, i'm trying to get my thoughts here i'm sorry my adhd kind of kicks in a little bit um but at least you guys got to feel what it's like to play in different cities you got to tour but it is it does kind of suck that you guys didn't have like a, a record to tour with. Yeah, in the very beginning we didn't. And then when the record came out, it came out pretty strong. The first single was uh, you know, was was uh, uh, Hang on Lucy that went to metal radio, great reception. People seemed to love it and um, and we did, you know, this, I don't even remember what the second. I think the second single they released was "How Many How Many Lies." Again, more of a rock single. We were waiting for "Just Another Night" to be the the big hit single. You know, the the strong rock ballad. Mm-hmm. And that's when the label said, "You know, you guys got to come home. We want to start working on a second record." And we were very frustrated. We were like, "Well, we're not even getting started yet." You know, and so to answer your question about how they treated us in full circle. They weren't really willing to put the time in with us that we wanted at the very end of the thing, even though all they ever to- told us was, you know, you guys got to keep touring. That's how rock bands are successful. They stay on the road. They work, they work, they work. Are you guys willing to do that kind of work? And we were, yeah, of course. We'll, we'll tour for as long as it takes. We had tours booked in Japan. We had, we had all kinds of stuff going on. And, um, and then everything just started to crumble, and that was around... Um, Oh, I want to say middle of 93, almost 94, somewhere in there. And that was in the height of, of Nevermind, and, and, or, or uh, yeah, actually, and, and all of the Nirvana craze and a lot of the same kind of music we were put, you know, that we had was, was going away really fast. So, you know, I think the record company wanted to shift gears and, and focus on those bands and at the time for them their band was a band called Blind Melon and that's who they were they were putting all their energy into and uh, it was just a big disappointment for us but you know you gotta roll with it right um, I'll definitely agree with you on something if if the record label would have released Just Another Night I think you guys would have definitely made it bigger than what you what you have yeah. uh, th- because at the time, you know, everybody, everybody from Kiss, Poison, uh, I think Miley Crew did one, all, Queensryche did one. Everybody's doing ballads at the time. Like, if you guys would have had Just Another Night as your 
third and final single, it would have it would have been definitely huge for you guys. Yeah, we felt the same way. We never we were <coughs> if you can imagine, we were inches away from <coughs> excuse me, uh being releasing that and uh I'll, I don't think I'll forget we were in somewhere um the east coast maybe Miami and got the call to come you know wrap it up come home they don't want to support the tour anymore financially and it was just time to get back and work on a second you know album and 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 start writing again and uh we were just really devastated because the, the tour was going well. We were selling out everywhere. The theaters, uh, the clubs were turning into theaters. We were gaining traction, and we knew that if we could release um, just another night, it would spread really quickly. It's a great, you know, it's a rock ballad, but it's a good one. It was well done and well written, and I think um, that song could hold up as a country hit. That song could hold up as a blues hit, as and certainly as a pop hit. As well as it could hold up as a rock metal ballad, you know, it's just it just has the right hook. So I just was we were really, and that's what started all of the the problems. When the label told us to come home, that's when everybody started pointing fingers at each other for the problems that the band was having for success. You know, I mean, Brent got really depressed. He started mm -hmm. acting up. Um, I was certainly not in a good way, so the two of us were fighting real, really bad for the, you know, we always had our issues, but this was getting really bad, and then uh, uh, Benny was lost, ODing on the road, I mean, all kinds of stuff was going sideways, and we started to blame each other rather than come together as the group that we were back in the Hollywood days we started blaming each other and that blame game just turned into a disaster where we literally couldn't handle the pressure and broke up as soon as we got back to LA. I tried writing some new material with Brent but we couldn't we couldn't seem to focus and instead just started to fight more and um, drifting apart you know I think and uh, Benny was gone when, when we get off the road we never saw Benny we never spoke to him we never saw him he was living with some girl and just not part of the band anymore and we just felt very fractured i mean no all right so yeah that's that's an unfortunate thing that you guys like broke up after the record label wouldn't support the tour anymore and you hear you hear that about like so many of these great bands you know some some lead singers have egos, some, you know, sometimes it's a guitar player, but in your guys' cases, you know, you're all pointing the fingers at everybody, you're doing the, well, it's your fault because you're doing this, and it's your fault because you're doing this, and then everybody's just kind of fighting, and it, it definitely, it's unfortunate, but do you think yeah. do you think it was for the best, or do you think you guys could have, like, settled some well, differences well, that's a really great question because no one ever has ever asked for if it was for the best or if it was um um you know on purpose or any of those things you know the thing is uh i've asked that i've, I've actually spoken to other people about this who know me personally for a long time and 
at that mo at that moment, I think I, I don't know if I got cut off, but it mentioned I, I was mentioning that 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 um, Benny, you know, was completely lost. He was uh, he was ODing, you know, on the road from coke to whatever he could get his hands on. Uh, we were fighting. There was I'm not gonna say I wasn't doing drugs. Uh, I was completely out of my mind and. This was all because of the pressure and the infighting and the inexperience on how to deal with it. We had really bad management. Same people were managing us were the ones that got us the record deal, so we felt very loyal to them. And at some point, you have to look at your management and go, you're just not making things happen. You know, that's their job. We're out there doing our job. Your job is to make sure that things go progressively forward and grow and they were not they just didn't know what to do anymore because they weren't big players they were just good at they were great at getting us the record deal a really good one too a big dollar record deal and but beyond that they didn't have any clout they weren't managing motley crew and bon jovi and scorpions <laughs> and all these other bands out there that when you get a little band like we were and you are managing a major act you can manipulate some things and make shit happen because you do have all the big artists. And uh, that's really what we should have had. We deserve that. But we didn't have that. We were dealing with bad management, infighting, and not a creative atmosphere anymore. And um, so when we got off the road that trip, uh, as I think I was saying, Brent and I tried to write. We couldn't. Benny went into a hole and we couldn't find him anywhere. He was living with some crazy girlfriend that he got that was all drugged out with him, and uh, and it would just it just got worse and worse. And and in the end, um, I think uh, I'm trying to remember. It's been so long. I, you know, there was a discussion about uh, the label wanting to renew. And we decided to take the money, again, a bad management move, instead of making a second record with them, <clears throat> because we knew they weren't backing us anymore. So we took the money that was owed to us for the, for the record and um, lived off of it because we didn't have any money and fired the management and went back out and played one last big tour together. And uh, we did really well, made a lot of money for ourselves to survive considering that we didn't have a label, we didn't have management, we had nothing. We just had contacts on how to get back out on the road. And um, <clears throat> that was it for us. I mean, we were done. And, and so to answer your question, I don't know that the label cared that much about us in the end, and it was only two years after they signed us. So, you, you know, in this business, you got to make it really quick you got to get out there and be a success story or they're not going to keep backing you there's no time for that um not like they used to do back in the you know in the 70s and even the early 80s they would let bands mature and keep going and 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 support them and, and watch their albums get better and better and, and their and their music just better so um that's not the case anymore if you don't have a hit quick you're yeah, you can definitely like see that now nowadays like 
you can have somebody that has like the hottest song of the summer and then you don't hear from them for like three years and then they put out another hit song and then you don't hear from them for another three years and it's just to me I think that the music business is mostly about like money money wise like they're always trying to make the most amount of money and uh oh and um they're they're trying to make the most amount of money so they can line their pockets and you know pay their bills and do all this other stuff and it's really unfortunate that it's that way but I, uh, it it just kind of sucks that you know some record labels don't have the patience like they did years ago. Uh oh. Uh oh. Um, I don't follow a lot of stuff. Like I've got two little girls, you know, and and one is um, uh, turning eleven, the other one is six, and so. You know, they listen to a lot of pop and current stuff, but my wife and I, you know, clearly listen to classic rock and metal. She's the same way, has the same music tastes I do. But, um, so that's how they get their version of metal is through us, but I got to listen to their stuff on the other side. (laughs) And some of it's actually pretty good, you know. I mean, there's been some new artists in the last 10 years that are just mind-blowing, you know, just incredibly uh, talented people. Um, But there's a lot of crap, too, that that is, you know, here one day and gone the next. But as far as the music business today, mm, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't be able to possibly tell you how it's being ran but I'm sure the focus is the same make a lot of money so uh, yeah I mean have you listened to Greta Van Fleet at all I, I was listening to Greta before the, you know before anything went public it was all this demo stuff um, it was uh, Brent had come to a rehearsal we did a couple years ago we were starting to do some shows again and we got invited to play some um, different festival things and so uh, we were rehearsing for the first time in like seven years six seven years and he came in with their demo and so we all kind of listened to it and I had a, a pretty strong opinion right out the gate and at this point you know I what are they into their second or third album? Uh, I believe they're in their second. Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Oh shit! So at this time, this is where technology was not cooperating with me, and we had to switch to record our audio on Skype, which is what you are about to hear. And again, I'm not the best at editing this thing, so I do apologize to the listener and to Drew if this doesn't sound like how we recorded it. So I do apologize. So here's the uh, Skype part of the interview and again you'll notice the change in volume. So I do apologize. Uh, They've done at least I think two. They just released one last year. Yeah, so they've got a couple records, and 
I think with the, the most recent single or the ones that they've put out with the second record, I don't really, because I haven't listened to the whole album, I don't really see a, a ton of growth or a new, you know, anything other than sounding just like Zeppelin. So yeah, and that's that's everybody's. And I apologize for interrupting. That's everybody's. Like that's my concern because I think they're getting big way too quick. For one and two, it's not like an original sound. You, I can definitely hear the uh, Led Zeppelin vibe to it. And like like I said, they're getting big like way too quick. Yeah, well, you know, if there's an opportunity for a rock band to succeed, I'm all into it. But um, because there's so few that do, you know, these days. But um, it'd be interesting to see if they could put something together that sounded more like an original song rather than something that I remember a riff that they stole or they borrowed, I guess is the right word from Zeppelin over and over and over again. So it just, uh, that's the only thing I think otherwise great. Congratulations. I think that's awesome that there is a young rock band doing as well as they are. All right. All right. So I don't know if you would know the answer to this question, but this is just, you know how everybody is. They got to know if an album went platinum or whatever. Like, I, I'm not gonna ask if Under the Influences went platinum yet, but what I want to know is like, did the record label tell you guys how the sales of Under the Influence were at first? Um, yeah, of course. We we were always interested to know how well we were doing in each city that we were playing in, and if we were getting more radio airplay, then obviously we were selling more albums and. So those questions came up more at least once a week with a, you know, sort of a phone meeting with the record company from wherever we were. Okay. Um, so my next question um, is, you know, a favorite, who, out of all the bands that you guys, you know, you guys got to tour with, was there like a favorite? Was there one that you guys, you know, kind of gelled well, with like we're friends with backstage kind of thing i think um we just had such a great time playing the that when we were playing with other groups we had a real chemistry you know if we were especially if we we're touring together we shared a tour bus for an entire summer with roxy blue and we got it on with those guys really well great great musicians great guys uh these are all guys from Memphis, and they just have this amazing Southern hospitality that you know we just fell in love with. So we love those guys. But then on the flip side, we we played uh, every night with uh, Four Horsemen, who these are just a bunch of insane criminal drug addicts who like we just loved death. We we didn't know how to how we were going to get treated by these guys because these guys were real hardcore like you know, Harley, you know, Hell's Angels kind of rock and roll guys, if I had to describe them the best, shooting up heroin every night and going out and playing music. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when, when we were kind of nervous about really meeting them, um, at the end of the couple of nights on the road with them, we became best friends. And so, you know, if you can... That, uh, then on the other side of that, there was... Um, 
oh god there was a there was a couple of bands we didn't get along with so well um faster pussycat was a band that we got into it with backstage and there was some fighting it was it was bullshit stuff but again you know not everybody clicks perfectly right right it's it's human nature you know some sometimes you know some someone's gonna piss you off and you know there's always gonna be words and disagreements and stuff but um i might as well piggyback off of that have you like talked to anybody from faster pussycat and just said hey sorry we were a bunch of fucking knuckleheads and we apologize or you know did i don't I don't think so. Um, uh, nobody's like, um, that's not even the same band anymore. I think the only mm-hmm. person that's in that band that was in that band back then is the singer, you know, Tammy. Everybody else has been either replaced or moved on. There's nobody in that band from when when we actually, you know, played with them. So, uh, no, there's 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 been no way to... to make those kind of statements um so my next is my next question is going to be this um what do you think what is the what do you think the legacy of under the influence is and if you have a favorite song off the record what is it Mm. i don't know about the legacy i mean as time goes on things get forgotten but i do know that there's been a lot of over the last 20 25 years 20 years probably you know there's been a lot of people like yourself you know young younger people who have discovered it you know found it through their parents or found it through some used cd shop or um or maybe found it on through a video you know on uh, youtube and we've always gotten a lot of compliments and um you know people that really are into this genre think that this is one of those standout records and so i hope that that continues i hope that you know generations can pass it along because uh you know uh it's always it was always the idea to make music that's timeless you know even though we know where this came from and what era it was in it we want the songs to be timeless you want to be able to play them as they are being played now 25 30 years later and still hold up it's not a lot, you know, not, not every song is written that way or not, you know, they don't, if it's a good song, it'll hold up. And so I think that would be the only legacy that I would ask for. Uh, what was the other half of your question? Um, do you have like a favorite song off the record? Like one that you were just so, I'll just say one song that you're so proud of. Uh, hmm. Well, it's, I, I guess one of the songs that took the most care in lyric writing the lyrics and really kind of, you know, working on the, the parts and the different arrangements of it was um, Latin Sin. You know, that song mm-hmm. has all these different, um, it wasn't recorded at the same time, so it sounds a little different, which is disappointing, but it still had so many great um breaks and 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 riffs in there and um and i love the lyrical content on it you know so yeah no i i I think that would be one of them another one for me was one of the easiest songs to write it just came to me and i wrote it with brent you know we just i think he might have written the riff first and i wrote the lyrics was uh hair of the dog i mean that just 
is just such a simple blues song. If you think about it and listen to the, the verses, they're just, it's just all blues. Um, and, but it was written, I don't know, maybe in one night, the whole thing. And then we kind of figured everything out in the rehearsal studio with the band, maybe the next night. And by the two, three nights later, it was ready. You know, that's just how those things come together. Uh, how many lives was the same thing written really fast. And, and some of the best songs I've heard other artists say this, that, you know, some of the best songs are the ones that just come to you and they're instant, you know? So, uh, it doesn't, you don't have to slave over a song for months and years and make sure it's perfect. Cause if you're working on it that long, most of the time it's never going to be there, you know? So, yeah. Um, so this is one that I didn't have written down, but I had thought about it. Um, can you explain like what the album cover is? Like, <laughs> it's like, so weird, came, huh? Yeah, who came who came up with it? And well, you, honestly, why don't you why don't you tell me what you think it is, and then and then I'll tell you what it was supposed to be or right. what it is. So based on what I'm looking at here, it looks like it's a female. Uh, probably I don't know maybe twelve, and she's got it looks like a, a bathing suit on. It's in a public swimming pool, and it looks like she's smoking like a cigarette with like some fancy. I don't know anything about cigarettes, so it looks like she's got like some fancy cigarette. And then there, and it looks like there's like an older lady that's sitting in a chair. So. So what that is, so tell me, what do you think, what does that mean to you? What does all that mean to you? Is she holding, uh, I can't even remember, is she holding a champagne, a glass of champagne too? Oh man, let me. I think. Let's see. In... Oh no, she's not. Okay, I see it right here. I have, I have, um, I have one of these um, blown up in frames. So look at, no, she's just got the cigarette and then you see the, so what do you think that means to you in the background with all of that? Oh man. Oh geez. Honestly, I I don't know because I mean it could. Oh shit! Hold on, this might be clicking with me here. So, if you're telling me to give you an interpretation, yes, I mean like the thing is called under the influence. Tell me she's not smoking a doobie. No, she's not. Okay. We would have we probably not been able to convince the. Uh the label to do that but so our next we wanted to do that but so our next move here was really what under the influence means is not necessarily under the influence of drugs mm -hmm. because if you remember we were living um brent and i were living in a in a high-rise apartment in hollywood we were in hollywood every night we were hanging out at all the clubs we were getting wasted with everybody and 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 meeting a lot of celebrities and seeing what was happening in, at the time in, in Hollywood, which still is there today. It's the same thing, but it's everybody is under the influence of something. Money, drugs, society, politics, and it was all wrapped up into one little thing right there in Hollywood. And so what this what this album was supposed to cover art was supposed to represent was just this little tiny new person who is at this point completely under the influence of money and, um, and decadence 
and uh, you know, this was what was going on in the eighties. You know, it was all this money, and what's behind her there is actually her little brother on a cell phone with a cigar. But because of the size of your CD booklet, I'm sure you're looking at, it's hard to tell what that is. Right. Yeah, and and that should have been done a little bit differently, but it is a pretty cool piece of art just because yeah. of the way it's done. Yeah, and you know, when my like I told you when my friend Josh showed me told me about Hang on Lucy, like I I looked up to see, you know, man, how much am I going to have to collect of Wild Side? And I got really I got really defeated and saw that you guys only had that one record, but I was like, yeah. man, Man, if I see that, I know I know it's going to be what I'm looking for because this is distinct. It's you're not going to yeah. see, you know, just that kind of a album cover. It's it's kind of like Nevermind when you know what you're looking for when you or uh, okay, Aaron, focus. <laughs> <laughs> like when somebody mentions Nevermind by Nirvana, you know exactly what they're talking about. You know the album cover. It's the bay. It's the naked baby in a swimming pool. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. This like the album cover is just so distinct. You know exactly that you got the right thing. Right. Yeah. We 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 spent some time on it, and we knew what we were trying to get. I don't know that the photographer or the creative director that put that together. Um, completely accomplished what we were trying to say with the with the cover, but we were happy with it. Um, it was a little twisted at the time, and we wanted to be a little twisted. So, yeah. Well, now that you told me the story about what like that they're under the influence of everything going on in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Let me think. I think my ideal album cover for this, and this would yeah. just be for me have like a little kid sitting in front of a tv screen and just have kind of like a thought bubble like in the back of his mind and showing like you know ah jeez i would say like kind of like pictures of what he's seeing like well it's the 80s it's it would be the 80s so reagan will be president right i think so yeah yeah okay so you know kind of have like reagan in the background um, just whatever's going on on TV in the eighties, all that kind of stuff. Cause that, that would make more sense to me, but that's yeah. just me being, you know, just hindsight being 2020 kind of thing. Right. Right. Well, um, what else you got for me? Well, I know you said that you didn't want to get in the mud slinging. So those were like my last like last two things was you know talking about benny and i this is this was from ron and i don't know if this is true so i want you to kind of dispel and i'll take this term the rumor and innuendo did benny get in trouble for like embezzling from the band of some kind well he didn't get in trouble the only trouble he got in and it wasn't really embezzling from the band. So, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of ways to look at what Benny's problems were. But at the, I think I mentioned earlier that we all had sort of gone off the rails where we went in different holes and tried to just just pretend that, 
what was happening wasn't happening. And some of us were able to handle it a little more. And what I mean, what was happening, we're talking about, you know, our lives, our careers kind of crumbling in front of us. Um, and without having a manager that said, no, don't worry, we're going to go and we're going to do this, this, and this, and this, and you guys don't, you, you have a record deal and we're going to make sure we stay on, you know, capital, whatever. We didn't have that kind of management. It, they were just as messed up as we are. We were. And so, Benny couldn't handle it. Benny was having a lot of problems and he was um, um, not just uh, drugs. He had a severe gambling problem and he was, um, I know that sounds crazy, like gambling, <laughs> but, but he was, he was, he was addicted to it. He, he got himself into some financial debt and rather than, um, you know, man up and deal with it on his own he was manipulating and um managed to ask me to borrow i had we all had an endorsement deal with gibson guitar you know and gibson was was endorsing brent and benny and even me you know and i played a little guitar and so they had offered us all these incredible guitars to go into their showroom and pick out these i mean beautiful you know, guitars. I pick, I think I picked out a, a beautiful white uh, ES three thirty seven. I picked out a um, uh, a Les Paul, uh, a Chet Atkins acoustic. I mean, just gorgeous guitars that you know today would be worth quite a bit of money. Anyway, he had asked me to borrow these guitars, and um, and I was making a trip to Australia for for a while just to get away from everything to Sydney. And he, um, when I got back, I asked him for the guitars. He was borrowing them to write some music and, uh, and he had, he had dumped them, sold them, made money off of them. And so that ended my relationship with Benny. I realized I couldn't trust him anymore. And I just simply didn't want to be around somebody like that. You know, he, he just, didn't respect anybody or anything. And, and I think he'd admit that at the time, even if you were to talk to him, he would say that's probably true. And that's probably where my head was. And I made some mistakes and all of that. But, you know, over the years, I've tried to reconnect with him and, or he's tried to reconnect with me either way. And it just never works out because I can't, I wish I could say, oh, you know, it's it it was it was just in the past and part of what we went through, you know. But it it didn't matter to me how bad things got or how horrible we were, you know, dealing with these things. Um, I would have, no matter how low <laughs> I may have gotten, and I got pretty low, um, would I have done? that to him you know i would have never i just there i just respect him and or his you know just being my friend from high school uh we you know we grew up together you know we we got in trouble as kids together and now we're in this you know professional rock band and he's out there manipulating me to steal my guitars and sell them where it was really all i had left out of the whole end of this thing and the record deal thing at that point you know so that really bummed me out. And so if we try to reconnect, I, I say a few good things and we, we, he opens me up, we talk. And then the next thing I know, he's, he's bra bragging about these things on his silly little wild side news page 
about the personal things that I may have just told them. And that's when I realized, oh, well, I, I can't trust this guy at all. I can't have anything to do with him. And so when we started getting phone calls from promoters asking us to come back and play some shows in you know, different cities, um, Brent said, I'll do it. But I'm going to tell you right now, um, I am not uh, going to do it if you invite Benny. And, um, and I, you know, no problem, you know, and when I, I think Benny had asked, he had heard that we were going to play and he sent me an email and asked if we could get on a phone call. And I said, okay. And he asked why, when we talked and I said, why don't you take it up with Brent? I'm not Brent's babysitter and I don't really know where, you know, Brent's coming from, but if you want, I'll pass along his number and his email and, um, so Brent said he can have my email, but not my number. And uh, Brent, I think Benny wrote him some sort of, you know, half-cocked apology, mm-hmm. sort of, sort of a, sort of a, hey man, um, what's your problem with me, kind of thing, rather than, hey, how can I make it up to you? This would mean a lot to me to play with you guys again. Uh, it wasn't like that, and and I think Brent read that and didn't even respond to it, and we've never looked back since. But. Well, one thing we did know is that Benny had created this wild side page without our um, sort of, uh, I don't know, blessing or, or approval or uh, anything. And, you know, look, you can create a fan page all you want. You, you, Aaron, could start a Judas Priest fan page if you want, right? Right. And you will take videos of it and you'll take photos of it and you'll do all this. And all that's really doing is promoting the band. You know, it, the people see that and maybe they've never heard of Judas Priest and now all of a sudden they've got some new fans. In our case, he's using all the photos that he stole from me. Because, again, with the guitars, he asked, he asked me for all these personal photos where I'd collected over the years, news clippings and all kinds of stuff that I kept. And he had asked me for it. And, um, and I gave it to him. He was going to photocopy them and get them back to me. And I never got them back. So, those, so he built that fan page with all these photos that were mine to begin with. Then, you know, here's a guy that started a page and I can't go on it because he's terrified that I might say something about him that the fans might discover. He won't let uh, Jimmy on there. He won't let Brent on there. I mean, he's got this, this fan. Well, so to back up, we went to Facebook and, you know, kind of made a few formal complaints that he's using content that it doesn't belong to him and it can't be called wild side. It has to be called something else. So they, I think they reached out to him and made him call it, something else and that's when he mm-hmm. came up with you know benny's um um wild side wild side news, news which is hilarious because there's no news and he's posting birthday wishes to eddie van halen and happy valentine's day wishes using one of our song lyrics and making sure that you know he stays relevant but he's not and nobody cares anymore and there it is you know the only time he had something interesting to talk about is when we actually did a show where he would put a video up and just slam me to death and do whatever he could to um, disparage us and we just stopped reading it or you know sort of ignored it and didn't care anymore and he's super proud you know he spent the last 10 years getting you know close to 10,000 you know subscribers or followers to that thing and so God bless him for it, but it's just 
I don't know. We, it's kind of silly to us all now. We we just ignore it. And when you asked those questions on there, I wasn't surprised that he would say those things about me and make make accusations about me. And yeah, I don't know. What did he say that I that I that I'm upset that I can't sing anymore or something I'll, like that, right? I'll I'll read it to you. So for the fans of the bakery that. I commented on uh, the Wild Side News page because it show it just shows up randomly because sometimes I on Facebook like I'll see some things and some days I won't. Well, this particular day when I'm sitting on lunch and I saw this and I was like, "What the hell?" So I commented. I was like, uh, "I hope you fans know that the band really doesn't give consent to this Facebook page." And uh, and I hit enter. So I get a message from Benny. And it says, Hey Aaron, FYI, with the three dots, Wildside News is my personal page about my old band. And the only one around online. Benny's Wildside News, not Drew's. I, I post my own original content there about the classic original lineup. The band I co-founded with Drew in 1988. The band I co-wrote the hit songs with on our debut album. Drew is an ang- This is where he starts throwing throwing shit towards you. Drew is an angry old man now that is having issues with his aging and the fact that he can't <laughs> sing anymore. And the fa- this is where I started fucking laughing. Oh. This is this was the part where I was like, okay, I'm in contact with Drew. I have to send it to him. Yeah. And, and and the fact that he can't sing anymore. I know yeah. the guy I know the guy longer than anyone since 1982 in high school. The two of us grew up together in our teens forming bands and honing our craft together. Mm-hmm. No need to be a messenger for Drew on my page. It's called Benny's Wild Side News for a reason. Drew has a hard time swallowing the fact that I talked to a large fan base that I <laughs> solely created online. It's a p. Pe- it's a place for people to reminisce about the good old days of rock and our first record, etc. It's certainly it certainly isn't a bad a bad thing. Try not to drink the guy's Kool Aid. In my opinion, it's just actually negativity and spew. Yeah, so that's a good uh, example of what I was dealing with um, when when he stole my guitars. You know, it's that same kind of. So if you can imagine, oh my gosh, I mean, 20, 22, 23 years ago, you know, so here's a guy who hasn't grown up too much other than that. Um, uh, you know, he, that's he's living in that moment. That's his moment, man. His moment is right there on that stage in front of a thousand people and wearing whatever and his hair super long and he's you know, the whole thing, that's Benny's moment. That's where his brain is. That's where his head's at. There isn't too much probably in between that day and today that he could say he's done a great job at, <laughs> you know? Right. I right. mean, you know, he doesn't have anything going on. In fact, he stays completely off the radar, no photos offline somewhere you know, in some rabbit hole, just like he was 22 years ago when I walked away from him then, you know, and, and you can't, you can't see him. You don't know what, who he is or what he is. Just this weird little, you know, um, what's, what's the name of that, that groundhog that pops his head up just to make sure that it's um, um, spring or not. 
Punxsutawney um, Phil. There you go. So yeah. that's Benny popping his head up out of a hole just long enough to sling some mud at me, and then he'll go back down in there, and we won't hear from him for a long time again. And, right. and I'm okay with that. I, I Rather than me go, oh, man, it's not true. I don't care about this or that. What's he saying? I've heard it for so many years, and it's just we don't – I don't – I got a whole other – list of other things I could focus on than, than him. Right. So I wasn't too surprised to hear that. And um, a lot of times I'll share those things with Jimmy because Jim and I are really close. Um, um, I just moved from Los Angeles to Nashville and, um, and Jim is uh, out here too with a lot of real estate that he's buying up. And, you know, we just spent a lot of time uh, hanging out, you know, so we share, I shared his, you know, you sent me an, a text message or an email on what, what Benny had said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shared that with Jimmy and we got a good laugh out of it. It's, you know, well, that, I mean, that's, that's good that, um, some, some of you guys are still, you know, sticking around and, um, I'm friends with Chris Senzak, the guy that does, uh, the rock and pot expo there in Nashville. Uh-huh. And every time I've been trying to go for like since the inception, but the first time that they had it, I was I had just moved back from all from Arizona, so I didn't have any money. Last year, I didn't have I didn't have any money, and this year, I don't have any money because <laughs> it's 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 quite the drive. And plus, once I once I got my tax return, I had to get both of our cars fixed. They, it was a fuel pump issue. They weren't gonna. The cars weren't moving, so we had to get those fixed. But he tells me all the time that that is the place to be right now for for guys like him and me that like you know the '80s rock scene because so many of you guys are starting to move to Nashville and and he says yeah. that he see he sees probably somebody from any any band maybe every day. Right. Right. Um, I went to that last year. Um, he had me stop by. I just moved here, so uh, but I knew a bunch of people there, so I went and met some people and 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 uh, saw some old friends and hung out, and it was a lot of fun. You know, it's a smaller thing than I thought it was, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. And um, I met Chris for the first time. He's a cool guy. So, yeah, uh, and I think I sat down with Ron and whoever he had some other post. To mm-hmm. do a video, a video sort of vlog thing that he started doing. So I did that with with Ron in a, in one of their little booths over there, and we hung out for the day. But yeah, I'm aware of it. So my final question is this: Is there any future plans for Wildside? And if there are, are you able to talk about them now, or are they kind of like a shh kind of thing, like they're under wraps? Well, had you asked me this about, hmm, I want to say a year and a half ago, I probably would tell you, yeah, there's some things shaking. You know, we we played some live shows. They went off really well. And then we played some more live shows. And I kind of was reminded as to why maybe I don't want to do this anymore, at least not with this little group of people. Mm-hmm. Certainly want to keep writing music and certainly want to, you know, enjoy music. But, um, you know, uh, Brent's been really busy as a working musician for 
as long as I've been busy in the other work that I do. You know, we just, he stayed in the music business. I got out of it and gotten into, onto the TV side of things, film side of things. And, um, because, um, uh, he stayed in it for so long, you know, he's, he's played with a lot of guys. He's been on the road forever. He was, you know, touring with, with Vince Neil as his guitar player for, for several years. Um, now he's of course, you know, uh, with Sebastian and he's just a very seasoned and, um, uh, particular kind of, you know, musician who, um, does this every day for us. We got on the stage. I hadn't been on the stage in many, many years. It, it, it comes back to you pretty quickly and it was awesome, but you know, it's just business with him and it's just work. And he's just about, you know, pull up, plug in, where's my money. And, um, I'm out of here. And mm -hmm. I was kind of hoping to look at this, like, well, let's see if we can't like connect again and see if we can't write a song or two, or even a, a, an EP version of some songs. And then we got an offer to do a new album from a smaller label that's doing a lot of these legacy albums, uh, new albums with legacy bands, you know, mm -hmm. this this uh, record company that's been doing this. And so they offered to to create a record for us and put it out. Very small money. Brent wasn't interested. The money wasn't right for him. And um, and that's when I just decided, you know, I'm not. Um, probably not cut out for this the way that I want to do this. Certainly not with Brent. Um, so I'll just, we'll just call it a day. And that was, I want to say about a year ago when I decided, let's just call it a day. And it's been about a year and I don't think I've spoken to Brent since we were wow. invited to go to this thing called Hull Fest in, um, I don't know, fuck, somewhere in some um, two hours North of London. And there was a bunch of bands going to be there and all this. And I started to get a little concerned about it. I wasn't hearing from Brent. The numbers weren't making sense. We weren't going to get paid enough to even go there, much less get paid to do it. And um, the more that it started to fall apart and the less I started to hear about it from Brent, I realized he just doesn't give a shit. He just wants the money out of the whole deal. Mm -hmm. And um, Jim and I decided, you know what? this is probably the right thing for us. And I had some other things that were in the way that prevented me from going anyway, some, some other, you know, personal things going on. So I just backed out of it and I thought for sure I'd hear something from Brent about it, but he couldn't care. And then while we were sitting in Los Angeles, I got, uh, I got noticed a notice from someone on, I don't know where it was, either Facebook or email or something that said that the guy was apologizing that Wildside didn't make it to the festival, that Drew got arrested, <laughs> that I got arrested in customs what? and wasn't allowed into the country and was um, turned away so Wildside couldn't make it there. And so... I mean, obviously, the guy was just making up bullshit because he knew he was the whole, you know, anyway, the whole festival was a big mess. It was a big disaster. And I guess the guy lost a ton of money and didn't pay anybody. And it was a big mess. Unfortunately, we didn't go. We didn't plan to go. But that's also about the time I realized that, you know, I'm probably not um, wanting to do this anymore, you know, with with that group of people. So you know, other things will come along and we'll see if I got the time or the 
energy to write some more music. I, I have all kinds of material ready to go with someone, you know, I, Jim and I were actually talking about um, maybe sitting down with Kane Roberts, who's a friend. Um, Jim knows him really well and I know him and, you know, maybe do some music with him, but I'm in Nashville now, so I really am looking for a connection with some Nashville musicians and people I can work with out here. So you're saying that there might be a chance that we could get like a Drew Rose solo album, maybe? With I don't, uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe at least a song or two in the beginning. You know, you know, All something right. a little different. I don't have the voice. You know, I mean, if, if there's one thing close to what Benny was saying is, you know, I don't have the the voice. I'm not angry about it, but I don't have the mm -hmm. voice I had when I was a young guy, you know. So whatever you would get out of me would be definitely <laughs> rocking, but it wouldn't be shrilling, screaming, wailing voice of a young guy of 25 years old. That's for sure. I mean, I mean, does anybody really have their voice from when they were like 25? I mean... There's some guys that still have it that I'm very impressed with, but not clearly not the same tone right. in their voice. You know, it's very hard. The older you get, the deeper your voice gets, and you, and and you would have to be singing, at, you know, 20 years straight, never letting that muscle down, never letting that exercise up. And um, I didn't do that. You know, I stepped away from it for a really long time. So when I got back in, I'll never forget trying to hit those notes and went, wow. I, I can't do it like that anymore. I'm going to have right. to rewrite these songs a little bit and change the uh, <clears throat> change the key. Although, you know, some of them I can, some of them I can't, you know. And, um, but I will say this, and if it, there's just one mudslinging thing that I'm going to do here, is that <laughs> to say, you know, Benny... Uh, no one's seen you play guitar in 25 years and no one's even seen you. And the rumors are <laughs> that he's 240 pounds and he's, uh, you know, can't even play the guitar with those sausage fingers anymore. And, and who knows, maybe that's the situation, but we haven't heard a thing. We haven't seen a thing. And you would think that a guy who is that in love with his music and is that incredible of a guitar player would get out there and jam a little bit or would, would, um, would be somewhere where someone could see one inkling of him unless he's got something to hide. Are you sure you're not talking about Vinnie Vincent there? Because you kind of described what Vinnie Vincent looks like now. I know, right? Yeah. We were, we were, we were all shocked on that one, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. He's really, he's really let me down in the last like year. So I, again, yeah. I've already beaten that dead horse. I can't, right I can't on. do it anymore. But I'm with, I'm with you on that one. You know, for somebody to be in, such in love with his music and he hasn't, you know, said, "Hey guys, this is what I look like now." You know, you know, play, play a couple, play a couple of tunes here and there, something instead of you know posting. You know, pictures of the glory days, like, hey, this is what I used to be able to do, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> oh, no, that's my point. He, he's literally living right at that moment of 1991, 92, where, you know, I think he looked his best and probably probably all did. And but, you know, oh, and I will tell you this. This is a little secret that nobody knows. 
This is your little tiny thing that you're getting as an exclusive right Heck now. Heck yeah. Okay. So we when we went in to record the album, we had one of the most um, uh, notorious producers in the world who would literally fire musicians left and right. So, for example, you know, if he's going to sit down in the room with, um, and not that he did, he sit down in the room with, um, uh, I don't know, let's say, let's say Kicks, or or actually um, um, Andy Johns. I'm talking about Andy Johns, who produced our record. He did um, all the Cinderella albums, and or several of them. I think he did. Um, um, Killer Dwarves, he did uh, Van Halen, um, you know, and then obviously years before that, the Zeppelins, the Who's, the Stones, he worked with all of them. And he's one of those guys who will say, okay, look, um, I'm sorry, but your bass player's no good. Um, you need to use my studio guy. And, and it's devastating to the band because the band's been playing together for years, and now all of a sudden you got to tell your bass player you're not going to be playing on this album. And, you know, that's really hard to swallow, right? Um, but he didn't do that in our case. He just scrutinized the hell out of us. And I had a really hard time as a singer dealing with a guy who wasn't very supportive while, while I was singing into the microphone. But that's a different story. After all of us had laid our tracks, um, actually, uh, I hadn't done all the vocal tracks yet, but Benny had laid his rhythm guitar tracks down. Andy spoke to us and said, you know, they're very loose. They're not tight. They're um, lots of mistakes. And when you're playing live, it's very hard to hear that, obviously. But when you're recording with under a microscope like that, where we're able to really single out what's being recorded through the speakers, you can hear all the mistakes. And there were a lot of them. So the decision was made. And I got to tell you something, Aaron. I'm not even sure Benny knows this. Mm -hmm. The decision was made to write over all of Benny's tracks, and Brent played all those tracks. Holy so, sh! So Holy Brent played all. Yeah, he played all the rhythm tracks, and of course his own lead tracks. So at the end of the day, Benny never played on "Under the Influence." He's noted as playing on "Under the Influence," but he never actually played on that record, and. Um, that's something Jim and I talk about a lot because of what a asshole Benny is. We've never revealed that, but wow. here you are. I am revealing it. Wow. Uh, did hell just freeze over? Is the nuclear holocaust upon us? Because you just dropped a bomb, my friend. Yeah. So, wow. You know, as I said, I'm not even sure Benny knows that because we didn't want to wow. hurt him and we didn't want, we didn't want there to be bad feelings about it but the record sounds the way it does because brent played all the guitar tracks and he is wow, an amazing amazing guitar player and and certainly for what we were doing at that time right i mean if that if for anybody that's listening and if you don't know who brent woods is if that's telling you the the skill of the guitar player that Brent Woods is, it's right there. If he can play rhythm, rhythm and his own and his own parts of a song, one hell, one hell of a guy. And 
I want I want to say something because you were mentioning like the guys that Brent Woods has played with. Yeah, uh, he's played with you. Yeah, Vince Neal and Sebastian Bach. I'm really starting to notice a pattern that he likes guys that have that high vocal range. That's possible. He also likes guys that are complete train wrecks. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, no, uh, but uh, maybe I think they, you know, I don't know how he ended up meeting. I think through a couple of other guys that we know out there, Brent met Vince, and that was right around when Vince first left Motley for the first time and and went on his own to make his own music. Um, somebody introduced Vince and Brent, and it, and it worked beautifully, and 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 it took Brent a long time in between that to finally meet another guy who's got that kind of clout, which is Bach, and and they've been together for several years now. And um, but he hasn't written any music with any of these guys, which I'm surprised to hear. Maybe something new will come from him and Bach. The iron irony here is that all those bands have been played with over the years. He's never put out anything of his own originally that's been noted other than Wildside. And that's going back 25 plus years now. So, um, again, I, I think Brent's an incredible guitar player. And um, I, I watch him and I'm just in awe of how good he is. Um, but I'm also surprised at how he just never put any new music out, you know, over the years. I didn't, I didn't understand that if you were going to stay in music that long. But um, I don't know. There's, there's a question for you. Maybe you can interview Brent at some point. He'll give you the answer. I mean, it's it's possible. Let's hope let's let's hope we can get get to Mr. Woods there. So, well, I guess my final question is this: since since you said it, since Drew Rose is not in the music business anymore, what is Drew doing now? Um, right now I work for. Uh, I, so when I when I left music, um, you know, to kind of pursue some work that puts food on the table again, I got into um, film and TV, and from there I bounced around with different projects. I was working on a TV series down in New Orleans and um, just different things, and um, got back to Los Angeles and. Uh, uh, wanted to shoot my own stuff, wanted to get involved in my own production and found my way, believe it or not, shooting adult videos. Right. And those that turned into bigger work in the adult entertainment industry. And ultimately I got hired to lead all the video production for hustler. Are you familiar with hustler? Um, Honestly, not really, but I, I have heard of it. Yeah, See, so... Isn't, isn't that weird? A 23-year-old that does, that's not familiar with Hustler is because my parents would have fucking killed me if they would have found that shit on my but you under I, Yeah, well, you understand what it is, right? So yeah. then from Hustler, I bounced around, and now I work for a big, big another big adult brand called Penthouse, which is another publication penthouse magazine mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i do and it's what i've been doing for the last i don't know how many years um probably too long 15 <laughs> 15 plus years and um 
so you know it's 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 a form of entertainment i don't really look at it anything other than that i, I right. know what i'm doing i've been at it for a really long time i won a lot of awards in the business i've done different things in the industry and um i don't know so that's kind of it that's what i do now you know all right i drew i've got nothing left for you i want to per i want to thank you for giving me this interview opportunity and you can say whatever you want as a closing statement well just thank you aaron uh, this was a lot of fun got to got to spew out a few things as benny says and <laughs> and talk about some fun times and things that i remember being good times i appreciate you letting me do that and um, i hope that your audience enjoys this and Maybe uh, you can get down to this rockin' pod thing here in Nashville at some point. We can actually meet. That'll be cool. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'm going to try. I mean, the thing's not until August. It's March. If I start saving now, I should be able to have enough money. Right on. All, All right. right. Well, All right. Uh, Thank you. And you that's it. All right. Thanks.